Welcome to Roof to Curb, Episode 5. I'm Todd Plifka, President of Custom One. If you're a foodie for the home, this is the pod for you. On Roof to Curb, we talk about everything in the home industry, including homes, renovation, landscaping, exteriors, and more. Roof to Curb is brought to you by Pulltap Sports, the best podcast producer in the business. Today's guests, Kate Hamilton and Tony Sarempa. Tony and Kate have combined over 40 years of experience in the real estate, and we're talking real estate today. Welcome, Kate and Tony. Thanks for coming on to Roof to Curb. Thanks for having us. So yeah, thanks for having me. We uh, we always go ladies first here, Tony. So we're going to introduce Kate <laughs> and uh, let her talk about her experience in real estate and how long you've been doing and how about just uh, overall in the industry. you got a lot of different different roles you fit and uh, have performed in the industry to give you a lot of knowledge and well-roundedness. So uh, Kate Hamilton, yeah. introduce Thank yourself. You. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I've been in the building industry for 26 years uh, the lion's share of that time has been spent uh, with a builder association, a couple different industry uh, companies and whatnot. Real estate-wise, <clears throat> moved into that sector, that division, uh, about five years ago. So uh, passion for new construction, uh, passion for helping people, understanding processes in that, uh, and found my way to Custom One Homes, which has been just a treat. So really... I've dedicated my side of the real estate world to new construction, specifically uh, working a little bit with existing homes, but more or less just the new construction side. Great. Yeah. And you've done some backup sales, we call it, right? Yep. Where maybe a client comes into Custom One Homes and decides to build with us, and then you help support them on the, the sale of their current home. Correct. Yeah. It really makes sense to package it all together from a timeline perspective, understanding when they're going to move in and uh, the, the timeline for the new construction, and then be able to sell their existing home. Great. Tony Sarampa, how right. are you doing today? Doing great. Great. Doing great. Who is Tony Sarampa? Uh, started um, started in real estate in 2001 with a rental, so I approached it from a, an investor perspective. Uh, started with that. I was in I was a what a sophomore or junior in college at the mm -hmm. time. Uh, owned and operated that while I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. Uh, spent. Uh, um, a number of years just thinking about flipping property and making offers on property started that in 2003 never bought anything couldn't couldn't make the numbers work and then uh and then continued to think about rentals and why like why real estate like why was it drawing me so why was there such a this strong pull to it and so i thought m more and more about rentals then in 2006 uh got licensed made the decision in 2005 uh, got in, wanted to buy property and realized I needed a job and income and all these other things that go along with that. So started selling homes and I kind of fell into it because of that. Uh, but my real passion starting was, was in the investment side and then spent, uh, then bought three properties right away. My first year that I was in, that was a licensee and then, um, and struggled a little bit with the sales initially and then really started to figure it out and grew a team had a team of 10, um, been in, um, been in a lot of different, um, I don't know, different situations over the years with, with growing our team, had so as many as team, 10. Yeah. The team of 10 pre-recession. Yeah. Roughly 10. No, frame. we grew that during the recession. Okay. So, okay. so started in 06, started growing through, figured out the business myself through mm -hmm. 2008, nine, really started to understand it and then added team members. 
Got started it. teaching other people how to sell real estate, brought them on my team. Uh, I started doing exclusively listing side for five or six years, realized I got a little disconnected from the industry if I did that. So I sure. went back to doing buy side and sell side. And then I felt like I really had a pulse on the market knowing mm -hmm. really everything that was going on. Like what are the trends? What's, what's current? And it's amazing how fast that changes. We're seeing it right now again with inspections coming back. Thankfully, buyers get to sure. have some comfort doing mm -hmm. that. And sellers are like, oh gosh, I don't, I don't know about this. Um, and then, uh, and then in 2016, 17, I started buying a ton of rentals and that was a huge part of my focus. So I still spent about 90% of my time helping people buy and sell. Um, and then would do these purchase the, this home from grandpa and grandma that owned it for 30 years, dated, but in good condition, great neighborhoods and really got created a niche for that. And that, that focus was was really about providing an, an opportunity for the people that we had that wanted to build a home uh, or wanted to move. So we wanted to have inventory that was in neighborhoods where where we work really heavily already with helping people buy and sell. So it's really a comfortable temporary move for a year or two or three. Yeah, that's great. So, um, and today you're with Keller Williams, yeah. right? Yeah. And you focus mostly on the west side of town. Yeah. Right. You live over on the, the west side. Yeah. Offices and, in as at Ridgedale. Yeah. Around the that north side. Um, and then uh, we're in we're in Wyzetta for the first 15 years and then moved to a new space. But uh, all centered around the western suburbs. So from Eden Prairie to to North Plymouth and Maple Grove and and then out to uh, um, Mound and Delano and Corcoran and and uh, but we really focus all almost all of our sales, Minnetonka, Orno, Wyzetta. Uh, South Plymouth. Yeah, so Those it's interesting. So we've got four focal cities. Tony, who does a ton of work on the west side. Kate does some work on the east side. Mm -hmm. Represents Custom One. Tony represents Custom One on the west side. Um, and you guys get to see a lot of things, right? So a lot of transactions, a lot of a lot of different things. Um, there's some consumer confidence concerns in the market right now. Interest rates have doubled over the last 15 months, 16 months, maybe a little longer than that, I yeah. guess, uh, 17 months. But maybe just talk about. Um, you know, why, why would I buy now? Is, is it the time to buy? Is it time to sell? I'm, I'm concerned. I don't know where the market's going. I don't know where interest rates are going. So let's let's talk about, you know, what are the interest rates going to do? Where are they now? You know, you hear the line of don't don't marry the, the interest rate, you know, marry the house, right? Mm -hmm. That kind of concept. So Kate, maybe start us off with, you know, should I buy or sell? Yeah. We're, we're, I don't know what to do. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> do all of it. I mean, I guess like for Tony and I or anyone, right, if we had the crystal ball, we'd really be magicians and really have all the answers. And we don't, but we we know enough to recognize that rates go up and down. We've obviously been on a roller coaster for the last probably two years of everything. Um, and a lot of things dictate why people move. Obviously, life changes, um, job changes, a lot of stuff where you have to move. But wanting to move is a little different. People get nervous about the rate. We hear that all the time. Um, but then you also can think about when the rate drops and what that does to buyers. It really brings them out. So from a competitive set, now is a great time, right? Look at a house if you love it. Yes, rates might be a little higher. You can refinance. There's a lot of different programs that uh, lenders offer. Certainly talk to a, a lender about those types of programs. But it's a good time to buy. Uh, it's a good time to get out there. It's also a nice time to list. Um, we're actually creeping up on that window. I just had this conversation this week is like, 
you know, you got until October-ish and then it slows down. It's the, the holidays. Yeah, yeah, the seasonality of it. Like right now, people are, are getting into schools, uh, settling back down to get into school, school district driven, um, you know, season driven. But then October hits-ish. I mean, Tony, you agree, probably that seasonality and then holidays happen. And then we always subscribe to right after the Super Bowl, go crazy. Mm-hmm. Well, that time is where rates might start to drop. So like get in, get out, do your thing. I'd say go now. Uh, certainly work with a licensed agent who can represent you well and talk to mortgage lenders. But I mean, it's absolutely a great time to, to do either. Sure. Tony, what's your opinion on it? It's, buying or selling? What are you doing right now? Yeah. So really great question. And I think there, there's really no answer for, for me. The answer is for the consumer. You know, they're, they're the one who's, who's giving this perspective of, you know, is it the right time to do this for us or not? And I, I always go back to saying, you know, people will will move for all these different reasons. They'll move because they've got changes in family, they've got changes in job, they've got all these different factors that are going on. And regardless of rates, regardless of inventory, there's going to be a segment of the population that has to move this year. Mm-hmm. And knowing, you know, when is the right time to do that, that that's really, that's almost more of an investor kind of geared, geared question in that Mindset. way. Yeah. Right. Because it's, it's like, look, if I've got, if I've got, you know, second kid on the way, third kid on the way, and mm-hmm. I've got a two bedroom house, we're moving, we're moving right. this year. Right. And it's either, it's either go to, go to rent something that has the right size or go to buy something that has, has really the things they need in the school district they need. And, mm-hmm. and we've been seeing that on both sides, right? So as families progress and grow, yeah. they need more space when families, kids decrease, graduate, kids graduate, yeah. move yep. on, they're, they're, yeah. they're more, you know adults now and having kids and yeah that and family now. that family that has that six thousand seven thousand square foot house that they just had their their third kid graduate yeah. you know and they're it's it's time to that it's house time gets, to downsize yeah. that house gets big yeah, real two, quick. two people in that <laughs> that size of house is is a lot right so we're seeing it on all market front so it's really interesting yeah. um what do you guys think about interest rates versus inventory so kate tony both have communicated like you gotta do what you gotta do right and you see it where Inventories still have not progressed. They're progressing a little bit more in the last six months, but inventories are still fairly low. And as a Twin Cities market, we're underbuilt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So election year comes. Now we got interest rates dropping. Inventories haven't really increased. So the luxury of the client today is that they can do inspections. They can put contingencies. They can yep. take their time. 12 months from now, do you think they're going to be afforded that opportunity? Much more competitive yeah. market. So, yeah. so maybe just talk about how does interest rate impact inventory and how does inventory impact the buying opportunities, those kind of things. So, Kate? I mean, <laughs> that's always the question, right? Like mm-hmm. what's going to happen and how is that going to impact it? And I alluded to that before, like rates are going to drop, competitive sets going to come in, um, inventory is low. We obviously dabble in a much higher price point market, but even the lower side of things. I mean, I had, I had a 25 year old recently try to buy a first time house and they're over 300,000, you know? So it's like, and that's, that's no inspection, get in as fast as you can and hopefully it works out kind of situation. Right. And I, you know, I'm representing her and can't really advise her on doing that, especially, you know, as an agent and then your own kid. But I mean, you've got that side of things too. And obviously, um, my business is much more focused on custom on a luxury product and higher end, but there's still this huge gap in affordability and how rates play into that and things change. I just think it's, we saw it, we saw it in 21, like gangbusters on Mm -hmm. 2% rates and what people did and 
some of probably not very good decisions were made on or the buy over, side. You overpay a little bit or right. Yeah, whatever so, I mean, gosh, we've all been around and saw it in 2008, you know, where mm -hmm. it's like different, different set of circumstances, but still like people made decisions emotionally that probably didn't pan out very well. So there's definitely more urgency in the decision-making process, yeah. right? Yeah. And that creates some, some decisions that maybe you don't want to do. Right. And talk about, I mean, you know, why work with an agent and an experienced one who knows how to represent you and how to formulate a deal that is in your best interest and less driven, maybe emotionally and much more of a strategic approach. No, for sure. Tony, what do you think? Yeah. So interest rates, inventory, so interest rates, inventory. I think I, something I want to go back to is, uh, for a long time, uh, when we talk about inventory levels in a balanced market, buyer's market or seller's market, we always use this measure of about six months worth of inventory mm -hmm. was a balanced market. You get to seven, eight months, nine months. There was a time when, when we were in that last recession and, you know, 06 to 2011, where we had three years worth of inventory in the million plus market three years of inventory. It was yeah. crazy yeah. how few homes were selling, you know, in that price point. And then we saw, you know, in some cases we saw as much as 12 to 18 months worth of inventory in some of the more entry level stuff. But even that was, that was, that's fairly high. And now, now today we see market time go from one or two days mm -hmm. to two or three weeks. And all of a sudden, you know, the message in the market from, you know, what buyers think, they're like, oh, well, gosh, the market's going to crash. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, yeah, but like one or one or two weeks inventory or one or two weeks worth of market time doesn't equate to a falling market. But we we actually have seen the the average price per home uh, in our area for the first time in 13 years dropped by a, about a thousand dollars. Not a lot, but it's the very first time in 13 years that it's actually declined slightly. We've just seen this real slow, steady, nice, straight curve. And so I, I don't know if that scale is going to change, whether we're six months might not be the measure anymore. Maybe maybe two or three months is the measure of a balanced market between buyer and seller because we're starting to approach two months worth of inventory in some yep. price yeah. point segments. So I don't know. Is that scale changing? I or, think we're going to get to three months or we can get to four months. I think to your point, I don't know. The, the, that measurement has changed significantly and used to be somewhat methodical to your point. And it used to be like three months, six month, 12 month windows of like, Oh, the year of 2024 in real estate is going to be X. Mm -hmm. I don't think it operates that way. In fact, you know, Kate, you talked about seasonality. I think the markets operate in these, these sprints, right? Like two Absolutely. to four week sprints almost. Yep. And where you're like, all right, April was like this, August was like this, December's like this. And I, I just think that scale is greatly reduced. But what are your thoughts? Yeah. So when we, I would, if I go back over the last three or four years, it's, it's exactly that. There's, there's the market of the season or there's the market of the month that's happening, this general trend. And it's almost like the market it's almost like they're all connected. All the buyers are connected. All the sellers are connected. <laughs> they're by cult? some by some some unknown messaging oh, system. Oh boy, a conspiracy theory. I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's some app. But, sure. but all of a sudden, like like no one no one responds or no one is doing yeah. anything. Yeah. And it's not necessarily tied to some sort of an event. Like like we always look at the the first couple of weeks in July. If I look back over my career in the last almost seventeen years. And I say, okay, well, that that first week of July through about the middle, 
It's just, time. it's just quiet. It's time for yeah. vacation because everyone's gone. Everyone in Minnesota realizes this season is so short, short yeah. for the nice mm-hmm. summer months. And this year was very different. The July was the biggest month I've ever had in my career. Yeah. And I, I would have never expected that. I even think this year, you look at January, February versus April, May. Mm-hmm. They, they've felt very different. Different, yeah. Right? And, yeah. And, you know, typically the Super Bowl conversation of, you know, when do I want to get my house on the market after the Super Bowl? That's when market starts. People used to say, you know, spring break. Now that that date keeps moving back, but it's like trying to get you more runway in the spring because by July, everyone's on vacation. Yeah. You know? Well, let's, so have a, let's have a really real conversation <clears throat> about that for a minute because we talk about seasonality in Minnesota and we talk about, how, like, when is the right time to list your house? Well, if we talk about it from a seller's perspective, the right time to list your house is is March through June, okay, in any typical year. But if you talk about it from a buyer perspective, they want to get going in January. Yeah. Like, as mm-hmm. soon as inventory starts rolling, they want to get on get the settled. get on the train yeah. and they want to get get they, moved in. Yeah. They want the opportunity. And those right? sellers that list January second or January third. They usually do really, really well because there's almost no inventory at that time. It's mm-hmm. much quieter. So if you're wanting to, it, so the de- the interesting thing is, is depending on what yeah. perspective you have, the right time to list is really when you're ready, right? Yeah. Uh, but a lot of people say, well, I want the outside, I want the grass green, and I want the 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 trees. You, you take know, those pictures in the fall, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like you can take those the season before in a lot of cases, but we, but it's interesting still, when you talk about yeah. those details. Yeah, because there's we always still, an opportunity. The the Twin Cities market is still underbuilt by sixty to seventy thousand homes, and we're still new construction. Average new construction price on a house is in the five hundred thousand mark, which are you know, record levels. So Tony, you talked about the inventory number, uh, you know, of like when's the right time and those kind of things. And that's decreased a thousand dollars, but overall that number is still progressively increased, right? Because now as the housing stock comes in, it's more expensive. And then now all the houses on the market, the entry level, so you can't find a house at 300,000 or it's really competitive. Well, that number used to be 250 and 220 and for sure you know so it's all progressing right and then we get into this affordability conversation so it's it's interesting and we don't have to go down that path today but um yeah it's just it's everything's getting more expensive and in my concern in my if if i was a betting man someone said hey what's you know a year two years going to be like i would say hey interest rates are going to come down election year's coming up i'd also say that the average price is going to increase Right. So like now is the time to buy mm-hmm. and, and back to that, marry the house, don't marry the rate. My concern is will inventory and supply chain be able to keep up when interest rates go down? Not trying to create a doomsday thought, but you know, we've got some some interesting things going on in the right. market. And if, you know, you looked out that year, you know, twelve months, twenty four months, it could be interesting. So um hot markets, Kate, where where are houses moving? Where's the place to buy? Yeah. I mean, I focus a lot of my business, like you said, on the east side. So I'm always kind of looking at that area. Um, Woodbury permits are still up. Uh, That's been a really hot market for permits being pulled. Lakeville, uh, we've got a nice development down in the prior Lakeville area. And that's really been popular. I think I also look at that a lot. So kind of the pulse is on that. Um, What's interesting, too, is I was actually just having this conversation with a potential buyer and like, They'll go anywhere because they'll work remotely. 
So sure. like they'll, before it used to not be yeah, like that. Yeah, like right? where it used to look, we used to look at job data, where are jobs, where it's coming in. And now like people are like, well, I'll go wherever. Yeah. Just have to have a dedicated office. Yeah, the, right? the person that's buying the house in Prior Lake works for a company that's yeah. based out in New York. Yeah. You know, yeah. I just, just I just texted someone this morning and like their ideal was Shakopee, but then they're like, well, I'll go anywhere. Like, sure. do I want to be there? Sure. But can I go wherever? Yeah. No. So like that's interesting. I know Tony, Tony will have a pulse on more of the West side. So that's really a lot of, like you said, where your focus is, which I think from uh, statistical data on MLS and everything, that's really where things are moving the most on mm -hmm. the West side versus East. But yeah. Hot market, Tony. Where are you buying? Plymouth? <laughs> Lot, lots Why of activity. Yeah. yeah. So I know you're going to say Orno, but. Yeah, Arno for sure. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's 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 really interesting. The last, I want to say, the last two or three weeks, we've seen a lot of change. Like all of a sudden, uh, we've got a little bit of inventory in Arno below a million. And historically, we've almost. I mean, for the last five or six years, we haven't had almost anything. It's been yeah. been really minimal. One or two that come on, and then they all sell immediately. And now, um, you know, you're starting to see a few build up uh just a couple that are here and there that are that are lasting for two or three weeks um a couple of price reductions that are starting to to happen um but you look at yz you can almost not get into yz for less than a million five sure. it's a difficult market um you know two and a half is more more reasonable three million is more reasonable you can start to find quite a bit yeah and that's that's crazy so I mean, those, and, those numbers are are yeah, just are astronomical two of the you know arguably the most wealthiest zip codes in the state right so yeah. so it's interesting to watch you know a million dollars becomes a teardown right yeah yeah or out of necessity yeah out of necessity. <laughs> right. so and you're not getting lakefront with that either no but, no um why do why do i need a realtor what where's where's the real estate realtor business going and you start seeing different um brokerages open up and referrals and all these kind of you know pyramid schemes almost but direct marketing but why why do i need a realtor kate what why yeah. can't i just do it myself i i see the house i like it why can't i just buy it and save save the commission i don't have to deal with a realtor yeah there's a lot of logistics that go into buying a house uh there's a lot of legalese that go into it um, so having an agent represent you, being able to negotiate, being able to, like I said, kind of take that emotional side out and give you much more of a black and white, realistic data, um, get you into a home. A lot of times you can't get into a home if you're just a buyer without an agent, uh, the way lock boxes are set up, the way sure. security is, um, it's just smart. I mean, it would be like, let's say going through a divorce without an attorney, right? Like you can do it. I don't know that you want to, <laughs> it probably depends on the relationship, but it's just a smart, it's a smart decision, um, to make, you know, there's obviously commission involved, but we're real estate agents who are running a business as well. Um, but a lot of those can be talked through and discussed as well. Um, but just uh, to me, it's just a no brainer that you would use someone who's educated, licensed that can take you through the process. Yeah. I mean, if you break your arm, you can diagnose it on Google too, right? right? Yeah. So. WebMD is perfect <laughs> yeah, until, it's I mean, until it's not. Until it's not. But Tony, why, I, why I do would, I need a realtor? Yeah. I would dive a little deeper into that question. I would just assume that they're going to use a realtor because that's the smart thing to do. So thank you for answering that, Kate. But, but what I would dive into is I would say, well, not just an agent, you want an agent that's unbelievably experienced. Because mm -hmm. I think for the first time in almost a decade, we've seen the population of licensees decrease in like busloads. Yeah. yeah. They're aggressively. I, we, we will probably see a, I don't know, 25 to 30% decline 
in the very short term. When we see renewals come through next year, I'll be very curious to see where those are at. But it it is an, a mass exodus. Yeah. yeah do you have any people an, getting out? Analytical number to that, Tony. I mean, is, is real estate real estate licenses are they down twenty percent, fifty percent? Any idea? I I think it's more than twenty percent. Okay. And and if you if you took so let's just say over the last like a, a few years ago, let's just say that the the average licensee, if you took all licensees, everyone who's licensed, you'd say, okay, the average licensee sells about seven homes a year. So, okay, well, well, what does that equate to? So when you look at that from a wage perspective, what is someone making that's in that, that category, their average, right? Uh, they're not going to be that skilled. So if you look For across, sure. if you look across industries, the best of the best are going to be um, they're going to be highly skilled. They're going to run into so many different opportunities and so many different situations that they know how to navigate the, mm -hmm. the challenging ones. Like, I mean, the, some of the things I've seen that have come up over, over the years, I saw, I saw, I mean, things that, things that you see that you'd, you'd never expect, you know, like a, Tony, I almost a, want to go into detail. I, I almost want to dive into the detail and I, I'm, <clears throat> I'm going to hold myself back. He's protecting all is, parties. It, it, I, yeah. It's you, a smart you have decision. to, it's you a have smart to, right. <laughs> I mean, it's just incredible, uh, what you can, what you can navigate through. But if you've got someone who's experienced that sells, you know, let's just say they sell a hundred homes a year, they sell 150 homes a year, the amount of experience experience and the amount of education that you have in in that kind of spot um even even 25 to 30 or 50 homes a year it's still it's still a lot of experience but there's some sort of a balance between you know how much can one person handle and then what is that level of service so i think there's there's a lot of different different facets to that 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 segment or that question mm -hmm. you know what yeah well even like i mean I said from the get-go, like I specialize in new construction. That's kind of my area. So like yeah. I may not have the numbers from a volume perspective, right? Where it's like, or the unit perspective, but I do on the volume side. Cause it's like, but that's also, there's not a lot of agents who do new construction. Some think they can, but it's, you right. know, it's a whole, it's very right. different. Like it's a very, and I would argue it's hard to do both existing and new construction if you're dedicated to being a model and sure. your, your yeah. hours are different. And well, and, too, and, so. and that experience level, when you're in the middle of a negotiation, if you have someone who's got an unbelievable level of experience and they've navigated all these other situations prior and they can answer and solve that, that thing, whatever that obstacle is that comes up, the time on which it is resolved in is a lot of time going to dictate whether that deal is going to stay together or go away. For sure. I had a negotiation earlier this year that, that was, that lasted for about 60 days. One party was participating and the other one wasn't. And then the other, and then now the, now the one who wasn't participating is participating and then the other one's asleep you know, and not, not responding like, okay, well, let's try and get this thing back on life support and get it going again. Still okay. Well, 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 life, well, life happens, you know, like, yeah. like everybody's in a different situation and there's so many things that come up, like, like just the dynamic of where they're going to move to and what, what are the kids going to do or how do the kids emotionally respond to the move? You know, how does, how do the both spouses mm -hmm. respond to the move? And so yeah. there's all these emotional dynamics that are Debbie's going on behind the scenes. Right? It's like figuring that out and navigating through that. It's like when you dive into it, you understand, okay, well, this is why it took so long, but you can't go explain that to the buyer. Right. You yeah. know, well, seller took this long to figure out their situation, but now that they got it, now they're on board and now they're full steam ahead. Well, yeah. that negotiation died long ago. Yeah. You know, and that, 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 that couldn't come back together, but it would right. have been perfect. Right.
it may have been the best buyer they'd they'd ever find. But yeah, it's interesting to watch. You know, now we go and resell it, and market's a, it's just a little different than it was ninety days ago. Yeah, no, it'll, it'll be different ninety days from now, right? For sure. Roof to Curb is sponsored by Will Anderson Insurance. I want you to try a quick exercise for me. Think of your insurance person. Okay. Can you picture them? It's probably some person from high school or the old neighborhood that you no longer keep in touch with. Insurance is too important for the status quo. Isn't it time you switch to one of the best? Will Anderson can help you with all of your home, auto, and commercial insurance needs. He'll give you a fair solution. He'll be there to pick up the phone when you need him most, and he'll explain a complicated business like he's reading a children's book. Reach out to Will Anderson, and we bet you he'll save money too. Call or text Will for a quote at 612-361-7283 or visit willandersonagency.com. Let's talk a little bit about defining you know, the, some of these website companies, the Redfin, the, the Zillows. Of, you know, I go on Zillow, and I can see all the data I want, and it's got to be telling me something, right? So... So I go on Zillow and I see what the house is worth and that's what I should market it at. And, you know, does that really devalue the real estate community or does it actually help improve it? So, you know, what are some of those websites and are they truly actual or how do they get their numbers or, you know, they, they, they can't possibly adjust in 20 days and 30 days and 90 days, can they? I think generally speaking, the consumer is more educated than they've ever been. For sure. And and our as a realtor in in this process, we have to be that much more educated in the process than mm-hmm. the consumer. Like this isn't just about pricing. Like we don't from our from from what we add to the conversation when we're helping someone buy or sell, it's not always just about price. Like that that's actually become a little bit smaller piece of the job because the consumer is so well educated. Mm-hmm. If they know how to look at a home and compare and contrast, it's features and benefits that are specific mm-hmm. to those. Well, a lot of times they do need an education of, okay, well, how much value is put on the, the lot? Like, okay, well, that one was a lookout lot. It had a pond view. It had this, sure. you know, beautiful view out the back. But then this other one had a lot that was three times the size. Well, it was still less money because it didn't have what people wanted. People wanted the view, yeah, even the, though it was the, a small lot, lot. So the, the lot in central, central Minnesota is not the same value as the lake lot in Minnetonka. It's, yeah. a little, it's a little different. Or two lake lots on Minnetonka Could directly next different. door to each other. You got <laughs> one with lake different. shore that's a little bit mucky or it's got reeds yeah. and there's there's no view down the main south facing, sh- north facing main bay. I mean, there's that's a very different value. But yeah. how do you quantify that? Right. You know, how do you say, well, that's a hundred thousand dollar difference or that's a fifty thousand dollar difference? Yeah. I don't see that on Zillow is my point. Zillow doesn't show that. Yeah. No, but I yeah. think <clears throat> to your point, Tattoo, like there's there is a benefit in it. Like they get it gets people to you, right? Well, I mm-hmm. saw it here. They're going to explore it. I don't think a ton of people put 100% stock in those websites. I think that they are their information. It's they a get tool. A, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a it's tool. It's a good baseline. It's not, it's not a problem. Um, I think when some of those like other groups came in a couple of years ago, it made agents nervous. Like, oh gosh, they're going to come in. They call. But I, but in my experience, and Tony can speak to it too, like I think people like the relationship, you know, like a dedicated person who's really there to guide you yeah. through it and less of a less of a, a robot, right? Or less of a, in, uh, just a interaction or a, so like the, the personal touch on having a, a person that's not in part of those programs. Um, I also don't chase like the Zillow lead. So, sure. I mean, to me, that's not a benefit to, to what I do as a, uh, as an agent. Yeah. Um, 
how about how, how do you define quality in that conversation, right? So, Tony, you talked about location, but there's also this quality of finish, fit and finish. And when people pull data, and Kate, you brought some data with, and you know, you look at dollars per square foot of what a, a house costs on address one two three Oak Street versus one two three Smith Street. It's a house, right? It's got four walls and a roof. It's it's got to be the same. So why are they different? And price points, yeah, you know, dollars per square foot. What what makes them different? Right, um, the dollar per square foot question is probably the bane of my existence. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> like, why don't we get into the home first before we talk dollar per square foot? Because oftentimes yeah. you get them into a home that's a a quality built, you know, custom product, and it just speaks for itself. Um, I a lot of times will tell consumers like I can get all geeky and the how the house goes up and what type building, of product is their science, science yeah, right? Yeah. Because it does set you apart. It really mm-hmm. does. But um, you know, I've learned over the years that leading with price isn't the best way to lead, really leading with getting in and feeling a product and hearing it or not hearing it, right? Solid corridors, poplar millwork, like you can go into all of that and I do think that there's a large part of the buyer that really does buy on quality and not on price. You just have to get there and educate someone and have the opportunity to do so. Um, But there's also obviously some buyers who will buy for a price point and then maybe have some regret. Sure. (laughs) There's a lot of of balance between the two. Like for sure, are we talking about someone who who's an entry level new construction buyer? Uh, they're going to gravitate towards some of the national builders that yep. are using inexpensive materials, but the but the trend they like we've the seen, footage. right, yeah. right. They well, they need they need a certain size. Yep. They don't want to do a renovation. People are less and less handy these days. So buying a house that's a little bit of a fixer is is a tougher category, and it's so expensive to remodel. It is. Yeah. Um, good thing Custom One has a renovation, renovation. division. Custom One renovation, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, but but I think that there's there's so many different. Uh, levels that'll blend between, you know, I had a, a neighbor of mine that just built with a with a bigger box builder, and they can they can do it a little bit cheaper than custom one can, um, and overall like it it's a nice home, uh, but you go in that home and you go in a custom one home, and and you you feel the difference and you see the difference in quality, and then we start diving into what are the materials that are used, how long is it going to last? Well, a custom one house the way the way that we build with a lot of the things are you're gonna have 10 to 15 years 20 years worth of you know maintenance free yeah there yeah. really will be nothing in a, in a lot of those cases you're gonna have some of the appliances and that stuff but um for the most part you're not gonna have siding you're not gonna have windows as an issue your roof's not gonna be an issue mm. um you know everything everything's really well buttoned up but on a lot of these other ones some of these windows start to fail after seven to ten years yeah. you know they don't have a 20-year warranty on the glass mm-hmm. yeah and if you if you are buying a, a product that has you know, more of a vinyl window in it, you know, versus maybe a Fibrex or an Altrex or, you know, some of those kind of products, right, from Anderson and Marvin. And But you but you are, it's sufficing that buy, to your point earlier, Tony, is I, I can't afford that at this point, right? It's tough. Yeah. So it's, it's Everything tough. is so and, expensive. And, and what we talked about earlier about, you know, the, the entry-level price has gone up and then you compound it with interest rate, my means are my means, right? But I, I, I have needs, so I, I do that transaction. It gets me into the market, so that as it progresses and hopefully I gain equity and I pay down the mortgage and all those fun things. Now and and I make more income as time progresses and I go from my twenties to my thirties to my forties or you know thirties to forties, whatever the time frame is. Now I can buy a house 
that is has more substantial quality that has lifestyle more attached to it and you know now i'm proud of it and i can have social activities and my kids and i feel really good about it so it's interesting but we we need people to be able to get into those entry-level homes and own so that they can progress through the the buying cycle and the progression of, of houses right so yeah. my, my needs when i have one kid versus two kids versus five or you know whatever the number is it's it's different right and yeah. locations change based on school systems and jobs and this, the whole ecosystem is so interesting to watch but yeah no yeah. so cool custom built versus production houses we talked a little bit about that um what are you guys seeing in development like what i'm seeing is you know there's no more 100 foot wide lots right not no. not coming out in new developments whether it be in plymouth around why is that a high school or you know, Woodbury around Eastridge or Woodbury High School. They're, they're very different. And you started seeing them go from 100-foot wide lots to 80s to 70s to 60s to 50s. 50s. <laughs> right? Yeah. And and why do you think that is? Why does that happen? And, and what is going to be the trend moving forward? Are we going to go back to 100-foot wide lots? I mean, that's what the consumer wants, right? Like a lot of our calls are for more acreage, you know. And yeah. I think we have this balance of consumers wanting like an acre, like, I love that. Having some room. I want to be a part of a community, but I don't want to reach out and touch my neighbor. And yeah. it's funny how you're like, well, that's what the consumer wants, but that's not what and that's not what they're getting. Right. No. So, I mean, that's a constant call because we uh, custom one, we're in a we're in several developments. Some are smaller lots. Some are bigger lots. Mm -hmm. And it's like, what is the you know, what's the Goldilocks? Right. What's it too big, yeah. too small? Um, some of it's dictated, obviously, on just the family dynamic in itself, but they're much smaller lots, like build them in, squeeze them in there. And I don't, I don't know, at least not from the calls I'm getting, people don't want that right now. Like people want a little bit more space. You're working from home. You're, you know, wanting to build, build out a backyard area that you can cook in and more play facilities. in. And yeah, yeah. like yeah. entertain and, I, you know, like I, same with pools, right? Like people want their own pool. They don't want to be a part of a community pool is what I'm hearing more. And so it's, it's interesting dynamic right now of like, I want a little bit more space. I still want to be in a community, but I don't want to literally cross over five feet and touch my neighbor. Yeah. We were just, we were in a conversation yesterday, a great client that uh, is working with, with custom one. And um, the conversation was, you know what, I've been moving around and I've been on the road most of my life. I want this place to be a retreat, right? Yeah. The retreat where I yeah. don't have to leave to, you know, to the point where they're actually, you know, from, from farm to table type activity. For sure. Yeah. Let alone facilities of, you know, sport courts and pools and all these other things, but it's, it's really interesting to watch. So Tony, what do you think development wise, lot size? I mean, you, you watched that area around Wyzetta high school was crazy. I mean, as far as the growth cycle of that and, and how big a space it was and how many homes came in around that area was it was interesting to watch it was all farm fields yeah. when i grew up in that area I, right. I grew up in south plymouth and our average lot size was a half acre yeah. and i i don't know exactly width but some of those widths were 150 feet wide For 170 sure. feet wide yeah. you know or 0.6 of an acre and it's all dry you know, mm -hmm. and that's unheard of now in Plymouth. In Plymouth, it's now 0.25, yeah. 0.2, I'm seeing some really small, very, very efficient lots. And they're they're well put together. But it, you know, in be when you walk in between the two homes, you know, when you're showing homes that are just a couple of years old or, yeah. or new, 
you can almost reach your arms out and touch both yeah, of them. It's a little, yeah. it's a five little tight. Five or five and ten setbacks. Right? I have seen some some settings really really well put together though, where they they make the backyard still very private, even though they're they're tighter on the sides. There's just not many windows on the sides, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it kind of offsets a little bit mm-hmm. of that feeling of privacy that's there. But I, as a general trend, I don't see Plymouth or I don't see a city like that going going back or they're not going to go make larger lots no. all of a sudden because there's such pressure on pricing still and that's never going to go away. Yeah, yeah, so if you're the consumer, you can go on to you know municipalities, whether you're in Plymouth or Woodbury or Lakeville, you can go on the municipalities and look at their comp plan, right? Mm-hmm. And it'll show you all their development and you can kind of see what's coming and you can be like, all right, I'm kind of crystal ball in this thing and I'm looking at like there's no 70-foot wide lots coming. They're all 50s and 60s or whatever they are and you know, however, however long they're improved. So it's, it's interesting to watch. Um, what about these rental communities? I've seen these rental communities pop up in the last five years. Is that the trend? Is that our cities going to become full rental communities? It's a great question. I'm seeing a few of them pop up. I don't, I don't know long-term as they all start to fill up. I, I've, I've seen a number of them around that are being built that are, that are single family homes or, Mm -hmm. or town homes or twin homes. Um, and a lot of them are still under construction right now. And to see what that trend looks like, do they all fill up? Do they have to start getting to a point where they have to start selling some of them because they won't all rent and they don't all fill up? I, right. I don't know. That's a that's a real different different trend. We just had one go in in Roseville where I live, and we're it was yeah. this little plot of land, and we kind of watched it like what's going to happen, and we saw it go for sale, no, no signage, and it's six basically row homes all attached back end garages no lot all leased for they're advertised for like a business executive who's coming in and going and doesn't sure. have to maintain and this specific builder that's all he does well, and, but like Roseville hasn't seen it so for sure. our community it was interesting to see it come in and like oh yeah. but it's they're also or they're all leased done like, yeah, you see, yeah. you know, obviously there's apartments and there's townhome rental projects and there's, you know, I think the bigger trend though is back to that single family side of yeah. a large community of 40, 80, 120 houses. They're all rentals. And, um, you know, Tony, you've, you've dabbled quite a bit on the investor side. It's interesting to watch of, you know, these guys come in, bigger companies and venture capitalists and equity-based companies, but they come and build out a development, put it up for sale or, or for lease, I'm sorry, and then... You know they do a seven-year plan on it, so yeah. in seven years they're they're selling their stock, so it goes from a rental right. to a an own. Right, but yeah, I I think that uh, the basic human need is still pretty similar. People want the environment that they want. They they want a community. They want you know they want a, a great place to live. And whether uh, a rental community offers that, I I think it's going to be a little bit more. You're gonna have a little bit more. Um, transition between families coming and going so there will be generally speaking there's going to be less community in that in my view for the long term i think that'll be a tougher thing and people like if i look at all the moving factors of why people move like well we don't have connections here so we're kind of free to go wherever or if they're very very rooted in the community Mm -hmm. and they and like there are certain neighborhoods that have an event every two months Sure. Where they're getting together at someone's house, or they're getting together at a brewery, or they're yeah. they're doing some kind of yeah, a community, community event, social. Yeah, not that yeah. everyone does that, but in some of those neighborhoods, there's very very low turnover. Yeah, mm-hmm. very low turnover. So if you if you look at that basic human need of what people want, if there's connection there, they're going to stay. Mm-hmm. And if there isn't, you're going to have a lot of turnover. So I I don't know. Long term, it's hard to say. I think there's a place for it. 
Yeah, I, I think there's... For sure. I, we yeah. haven't talked about school systems very much, but, you know, Wood, Woodbury's got a good public school system, but it also feeds more than 11 private schools, right? Mm -hmm. So it's interesting to watch in communities, um, you know, you see it in Orono, you see it in Wyzetta, you see it where, where public school systems are strong and people are attracted to those school systems and you see a school get built and then all these homes come around it. Mm -hmm. And then people are satisfied or dissatisfied with the public school system. And then they have this private school. Well, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, how many private schools were around versus today? Right. And those private schools were very community-based too, where yeah. you weren't driving an hour to go to them. No. And now you see, you know, people that live in Woodbury that go out to a place like Holy Family or yep. to uh, Holy Angels and to Tino Grace. And But now you got people that live in New Brighton that go to Hill Murray or... You know, people that live in Bloomington that go out to where they go in Orono, Tony. Well, Orono, you've got a lot of different right. private schools. You got Providence, you got Benilde, you got so there's yeah. there's a lot of different ones, and and people drive twenty to thirty yeah. minutes. Yeah, so it's it's interesting how the whole education school system in my mind has changed quite a bit as well. Where you know you had to live within two miles or five miles of that yeah. school. You know, I got to be within busing or I got to be within walking, and now that just is it's. But there's a well, whole up change so of that with like people working from home and the ability yeah. to drive. Yeah. Obviously, I pandemic. Can bring my kids. And, I, it doesn't matter if yeah. that's the right school for my family and fit. I'm willing I'm to make drive it work. 20, 30 yep. minutes, right? Because I work remote and I'm able to do it. Yeah. So it's, uh, and, but it has changed the housing decision as well. So yep. now the client that does say, hey, I think I want to be in Shakopee, yeah, you know, yeah. Prior Lake's okay. Lakeville yeah. could be okay or Bloomington or Eden Prairie. Like yeah. it's 10, 15 minutes to Shakopee, right? Roof to Curb podcast sponsored by Duke Cannons. Don't trust your mutton chops and mustaches to just any brand. Duke Cannon Supply Company makes hardworking grooming products for hardworking guys, and their products will help you keep your facial hair in championship form. From their beard wash and balms to beard oil, they have your back and your face covered. Duke Cannon, work harder, smell better. Stock up on DukeCannon.com and use Beard10 for 10% off your next order. Duke Cannon is an official partner of the Minnesota Wild. What are you guys seeing just in housing stock and homes of what is the consumer attracted to or what what should they look for maybe in the purchase of a home as well? Like how do I know it's dated or not dated? What what are the trends that that keep it from making it a good buy, if you will, you know, good yeah. value? I think one of the most interesting recent trends that I think we'll see more in 24 is uh, the way the house is laid out, right? So when you talk about older homes and you're like, oh, small spaces, it's not an open floor plan, it must be a early 2090 build. I actually think we're going back to that and I've been reading yeah. some interior design blogs and different things where it's like people are actually going back or a different way to go look at it of less of an open floor plan and more of mm -hmm. rooms that are decorated differently, right? So like the sure. ability to be more artistic in your home because you have a great a great room and a in the kitchen and it's all open and it's kind of got to be the same where like the smaller spaces allow you to do like you know the pantone color of the year in magenta <laughs> sure <laughs> and so just i think that evolution of the change in the way walls will go back in is sure. going to be super interesting. So just floor plans and layouts yeah, yeah. Of, of new construction. Smaller sure. spaces. Um, obviously working from home has dictated some of that too. Mm -hmm. You know, the front office isn't as conducive as maybe it once was because it's being used differently. So like where does that office go and how is that? Maybe, maybe more of a, uh, a 
something that's really focused on when you're building a home? Like, is it quiet? Do we have the ability to work if there's two people working from home? And so a lot of like yeah. that trend change, I think is going to be super interesting to watch it play out. And then I think, um, as everyone talks about, white and gray kitchens may be going away, more yeah. natural wood, um, more earthy tones. Yeah, with we like, see a lot more mix, a lot yeah. more mix of, of color and stain and metal and right. so the, many different yeah. products going into homes now. Yeah, and like what is the trend, right? Like It's funny when people come through our parade models and they're like, is this the trend? I'm like, I don't know, it's custom. <laughs> like it, the trend is whatever you it want it to be. It was Mr. and Mrs. Smith, was. <laughs> yeah, I mean, green yeah. green cabinetry was yeah. in this year. I don't think it's going to carry over. I don't. Like sure. they're not, only we're getting a lot of requests for dark green, but it's fun to kind of watch that and it really is so, which is why it's great to build custom is like, it's so specific to your needs and what kind of your stylistic approach is. If it's, you know, heaven forbid it's wallpaper, what do we call it? Wall coverings now to yeah. go away from that. But I mean, there's a lot of trends for that. Plus like multifamily use. So are your parents moving back in because the Just cost of having them in a senior living or somewhere else is or astronomical. Yeah, or availability. Yeah, availability and costs. We're, yeah. we're seeing that on the on the renovation side again. We're seeing that. I think we've done four or five projects this year already that are, you know, parents of, of the couple moving back in and creating those spaces yeah. or additions or, you know, above a garage. When or, if you don't need it now, you're going to plan for it. Correct. You know, like the flex room of like, it can be an office or it could be a bedroom because I'm going to need that. Or masters or primaries on the on the main level because I might not want that right now, but I'm going to want it in 10 years and I'm not going to leave this house. So yeah. really like thoughtful room setups and layouts. Yeah, that trend. there's so many different trends that are going on. But Tony, back to, you know, current real estate and what you're seeing on the existing side, what, what should I be looking for? What, what creates a good value? And, you know, steer me in a way that I don't buy a house that I'm going to have to put hundreds of thousands of dollars in, what should I be looking for? Figuring out where to start with that question is, is, How about is good difficult. Bones? Yeah. 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 Do I look, do I look well, for the look, size? Do you're I look for look windows? For, do I look for... Not necessarily. You're going to look for a location first. Yeah. You're going to look for what do you what do you want there, and then and then does that does that particular location allow you to put in what level of improvements over time? Because every every area is going to be driven a little bit differently that way. Um, Supporting the there is no one yeah. right answer to this question. It's just it's like let's find out what your criteria is and figure out okay well what what's the driving factor is it the size of the house is it is it the quality of finishes or is it a, is it driven by location because there's whenever we're starting to work with someone initially there's we go one of two roads and it's and it's very very focused on a location and then they compromise more on the house itself or is it hey the house really needs to be this or that and it's okay if we drive a little bit Sure. And so once you answer those two questions, then we can dive down dive, or drill into all these other specifics of. So it sounds like if you use a professional real estate expert, expert, <laughs> they would help guide you to. They can help that. you uncover what your needs are. <laughs> yeah, that's the right questions. Right? Sometimes people will have a, a certain vision of what they think they want, and and if we drill down to like what is that basic need, you know, below that, it's different. Sometimes there's there's a, a nuance to it where we find a, a much better solution of where we would that'll last them longer or help them save money or 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 maybe they'll spend more money but they'll get more of what they want. So it did, it just depends on what the driving factors are. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Let's uh, let's talk markets as far as you know. Let's put the crystal ball in the middle of the table and talk twenty four, twenty five. 
Kate, you talked about some trends of layouts and floor plans and things like that that you talked about. But, you know, if I'm, if I'm the general consumer and I, I think, you know, 24, 25 is going to be a year that I do something different in my home. I'm either going to, you know, I'm selling it, I'm remodeling it, I'm buying something new. Is 24, 25 the right time from what do you think the market's going to look like and what do you think interest rates are going to look like? So roll the Those dice. Are big here. questions. I yeah. didn't know you had the crystal ball. Had I known that, yeah, I, and you put it on the table, it's somewhere in the middle of the table right now. So, I mean, it. We've talked about it all day here, right? Where it's like, it's hard to say when is the right time to buy. Are interest rates going to go down? I mean, there's definitely data that's pointing that way. We've got an it probably year needs up. to. Election right? year coming up. Usually yeah. is a, a drop in rates. Right? Yeah. Um, rates are are a tough question. I think. Unfortunately, in some regard, people got used to a three. Mm-hmm. Um, is that realistic? It probably wasn't. Um, a record low. A record rate. low, but it was it was great, right? It was mm-hmm. it was nice to have. Well, I don't think it was realistic, and that's what I, I talked to a lot of buyers and sellers about. Is like that it was here for a while. People definitely took advantage of it, which they should. I bought a car during that at a 1.8% interest sure. rate. I mean, things were great. Or zero. But or, yeah. the the market and the economy, it, it's not sustainable. And I think we all can recognize that. Um, sitting in the fours and fives, the fives, I think, are Wow, they've been they've been decent. Obviously, hitting seven hasn't been ideal. I bought mm-hmm. a house in two thousand and eight for six point nine, and I thought I was doing great. Yeah, you thought so, you, really I mean, I hit the jackpot, right? <laughs> like, yeah. so I mean, it's it's all over the place. I think there's so much more to it than an interest rate. Um, there's so much more on a home price, the quality, what your lifestyle needs. So, like, it's tough to get caught up in a rate. It does drive a lot, mm-hmm. but it also can change fast. It can change fast and it also can be, um, you know, redone. It can be refinanced. It can be, there's, it, it, the last few months that rate has changed within days. Yeah. It's gone up and down. You it's, know? it's interesting. You know, there's a whole study out there that shows how many more buyers, let's just talk about the state of Minnesota. There's so many more thousands of buyers in a market when interest rate, say the home price is flat, mm-hmm. right? Interest rate goes from seven to five. There are hundreds of thousands of more buyers that are available in the market then, right? And that's where I'm going with the question is, all right, so we're we're listening, we're talking, we're in conversations every week, the three of us, and we're talking about mortgage rates and we're talking to mortgage experts and we're talking about those people. And they, they truly believe the trend is coming down, right? That we're going to go from seven to six or five or you know, we've heard as low in the fours in, right. in a year, year and a half. So we've heard in the fives. It'll be interesting to see how people buy based on that. Some people will be, hey, I'm not changing at all because of the location. And I'd fall in love with the community that has Cinco de Mayo and the pool party. And, you know, they do the fall pumpkin festival and whatever it might be. Right. So it's going to be interesting to see as that market changes. Do you think when interest rates drop, will home prices go up because of that, right? Like what's the teeter-totter? Right. And that's kind of what, you know, we want to make sure, you know, the general consumer has as far as good knowledge of coming forward. What does that look like moving forward? Well, and historically over the last couple of years, there hasn't been a positive, a positive result in waiting for an interest rate. No, no. So my advice would be not to wait. It would be great if it changes and then maybe refinance, but don't, don't wait 
for the rate or, will be our new slogan. Yeah, don't right. do and, for the rate. And so, so just <laughs> nailing some numbers down. So saying a, a 1% increase in the interest rates, a 10% decline in affordability mm-hmm. if they're financing, yeah. right? If. Yeah. And we've got more cash transactions than, than we've ever, ever seen. Had. Ever had. Ever seen. Yeah. I can't believe how many transactions mm-hmm. there are that are that are all yeah. cash. I, I can tell you that back in 16, uh, we might have saw 10% of the transaction with cash, maybe 20%. Today, mm-hmm. it's 70-30 cash, 80-30, 80-20. And some neighborhoods math, right? that are 90 plus percent. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Depending on where it is. Yeah. yeah. So Tony, what do you what do you think? 24, 25? What are, what are the years I think, gonna look like? Yeah, I think I think generally speaking, I think we will we will hit a point where we're start gonna start to see rates come back down a little bit, but it's gonna really depend on on what's happening with inventory and like the tools our government has to 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 influence inflation and and they just don't really work very well anymore. Like we're getting into a a, a much bigger topic, but them raising the rate or dropping the rate doesn't really influence w- quite as much what what they're trying to do to either slow the economy or speed the economy up. I mean, sure, it does have sure. an impact, but it just doesn't have the impact it used to. Like back in the 80s, there was a lot more influence. We didn't have the debt ceiling that we've got now. Mm-hmm. We've, we've got oh. a runaway train here that, you know, who knows what it's going to look like. But right. I, I generally think that that rates will come down, affordability will get a little better. But I think the flip side to that is, is you're going to see a rise in in pricing almost immediately. Yeah. There's going to be a little bit of relief, and there'll be, it'll be, this pent up demand because we're building up pent up yeah. demand right now. Yeah. I agree with you, Tony. I with, think there's so much pent up demand. I think there's the the year of 2023 has created so much pent up demand, um, and and I truly believe as that interest rate comes down, we're going to see uh, another little housing boom going. Yeah, on. well, I mean, confidence I f- is. I feel bad. it within myself. I'm yeah. like, I want to buy a lot more rentals, but. Yeah. I'm also sort of sitting on the sideline a little yeah. bit, not because I think pricing is going to drop or because of any other factor other than the numbers just don't work. Yeah, it doesn't pencil out. Like I can't I can't buy a house for X and rent it out for X. We're, mm-hmm. I'm actually cash, cash positive. Yeah. It doesn't work right now. Right. But but along the way, you're building cash. So when right. the opportunity does come, you're in a good spot. So. Right. <laughs> All right, that's Roof to Curb. Thanks for coming out. We'll uh, we'll see you in the next next episode. Thank you, Tony. Thank you, Kate. Thank Appreciate you. it. Thank you, Tony. Thanks.